0: I'm going to go Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 31 of 2, 5, and 10. We are here for the second round playoff preview NHL playoffs. Benny, give him a shout. Wow. 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 We're we're
1: recording minutes after the Hurricanes just knocked off the defending Stanley Cup champions in double OT. If you had Columbus, Boston... Islanders, Hurricanes, as the second round matchups before the playoffs started. Come come get your prize. It,
0: dude, absolute insanity. Uh, with some of these picks, it's like take your choice of which 80s hairband city you want, and you're in there. So I think I might go 80s <laughs> music the whole rest of the way.
1: And the good thing is even though all of our brackets have gotten busted in with the first round upsets, the NHL, like you mentioned last week is doing that second chance bracket challenge. So I may post that on our page again and get people uh, signed up, give them a second chance to
0: win some uh, two, five and 10 swag. Yes. Two, five and 10 swag coming to you soon. I mean, we're going to have to come up with something that's good design wise. It's, it's something that's been insane this NHL playoff, so I figure we have to come up with something just as insane. We'll we'll get to it. We'll
1: we'll come up with something.
0: Well our attempt is to come up with something. We're gonna try like hell. Uh we're just unemployed middle schoolers just trying to go ahead and do the best we can. <laughs> um, where do you wanna start? I mean, now that we know all the matchups. I
1: I guess we can go with uh, the Hurricanes-Islanders matchup just because uh, that game just ended game seven. Uh, Mr. O.T. gets the uh, primary assist, helps park the Red Sea in Washington, knocks out the defending Stanley Cup champs. Uh, who do you see has the advantage in uh, that matchup with the Islanders? Kind of similar in the sense of questionable goaltending at the beginning of the year, not so much so on Long Island anymore. Uh but the Hurricanes have a little bit more overall offensive talent. Uh, so how do you see that matchup going?
0: Yeah, I mean, like you said, just touching on the goalie part of this is going to be huge. Uh, Peter Morazek actually able to go somewhere on the road and steal a game. And, I mean, th- what a time to do it, Game 7. Yeah, I think going forward, it's going to be interesting to see as to what goalie shows up. Robin Leonard in the first round. He was good, man. I I think as a whole, the team was very well. So he didn't see too much rubber. I feel like they contained and they were able to only one-shot chances, not not a lot of rebounds, which is going to definitely benefit the Islanders. With that, I know I said I thought Carolina was going to surprise a lot of people in the first round. I did not have them beating Washington. But with that, I mean... Why would they not be able to surprise the Islanders in the second round being the Islanders have been on rest now for at least four days, five days. There could be a little bit of rust factor. Carolina kind of just riding the wave, rolling right into the next round. These guys are a bunch of jerks, man. It could happen. It can definitely happen. I
1: also didn't have Carolina knocking out Washington, although I did have it going seven games to, a few key factors for me, one on the Carolina side, Peter Morazic. Yeah. He had an inconsistent first round. He played well enough to win. Obviously he's got to get that high glove side fixed because Washington exploited the hell out of that, especially later on in the series uh, with the crick wrist shots up high. Uh, the other factor is Dougie Hamilton. He's got to start leading on defense crew. Uh, Brad Pesci, I think, is leading the defense in points. That can't be if you're going to try and go to the conference final. Uh, Like I mentioned when I brought up the topic, I do think the Hurricanes have a little bit more talent overall from top to bottom in a roster. The only area of advantage that the Islanders have, in my eyes, is in goal, if Leonard keeps playing the way he has all year, and on a bench. Barry Chotz has them playing his system perfectly, it's going to be a very slow go of it, I think, uh, in this series because the slower the pace, the better it is for the Islanders. On the Islander side of things, they lose that home ice advantage of playing at the Coliseum, at least they're renovating Coliseum. They're going to be playing all their home games now in Brooklyn. Uh, it might be a tough draw there uh, for the Islanders, and then when they go on the road, they're going to be playing in Carolina, which is, I guess, reacquainting themselves with playoff hockey uh, down there in rallies. So I think it's going to be a, a long series. I'm, I think this slight edge goes to Carolina just because I like their home ice advantage. I don't think they're scared to go on a road and play in Brooklyn. Seeing as though they just went on the road and won game seven and double OT in Washington. And I just think their slight ma- edge and talent overall is going to help them win this series.
0: You know, I'm with you on, they're not going to be scared to go in and Brooklyn and play. Um, if they were still on Long Island, I think that would have been a huge, huge home ice advantage. But seeing that it's going back to Brooklyn, it's not going to be a rah-rah atmosphere. It's probably not even going to be sold out. So, with that being said, I, I don't think Carolina fans travel well in that sense. But I mean, no. see, You might have
1: some Hartford Whaler fans making a drive down.
0: Maybe, maybe. And I mean. Say the Islanders and the Bruins go into the next round. I mean, every game in Brooklyn would be a home game for the Bruins. Yes. Um, I know we touched on the goaltend, and I just want to go a little bit deeper into it. Uh, Robin Leonard, only six goals against so far in the playoffs, uh nine five six save percentage, one point four seven goals against average, and then there's Peter Morazic with sixteen goals against an eight nine five save percentage and a two point six eight goals against average. I think that's going to be huge, man. I, I, I got the Islanders in six. I think Eberle's rolling. Anders Lee is rolling. I know they've sat for a while. Yet again, I mean, I didn't even have Carolina getting out of the first round. So with that, yeah. could could they win this? Absolutely. So I just, I just don't know what Peter Morazic's going to show up, and with that. This time of the year, it's hard. I know he just stole Game Seven, and who's to say he can't go on and steal this series? But just with him being so unpredictable, it's just so hard to lean in his direction.
1: Yeah, and both these teams are kind of have been playing, especially down a stretch and into the first round of the playoffs, as the us against the world type of mentality. We're the underdogs, even though even though the Islanders were. Ranked second uh, compared to the Penguins, ranked third. They consider themselves the underdogs. A lot of people chose Pittsburgh They win that first round matchup. So it's going to be interesting to see how these two teams, who nobody expected to be here, are going to be able to motivate themselves in a room and consider themselves the underdogs here. I got Carolina in six. Uh, I know the Islanders seem to have a massive advantage in goal, and that goes a long way this, type of year, this time of year. I just think knocking off Washington on the road in game seven, this has been a very tight knit group all year long. The more wins they got, the more confident they got. They were they were able to come back down in the series, knock off the defending Stanley Cup champs. Now they're gonna be going on a road to Brooklyn, which is not a tough place to play. They have their home games obviously in the series. I think it's going to be a very low-scoring series, but I got Carolina and Six going on to the conference final.
0: Hey, um, didn't John Tavares go to Toronto to, like, win?
1: Well, I think it was just easier for him to buy uh, Maple Leaf pajamas in the actual city instead of ordering them to Brooklyn.
0: I mean, people probably did steal, steal the boxes on the doorstep, so I understand the, the problem, the pain. I mean, when you got that many millions, it's probably tough when you gotta fight Amazon on your order.
1: <laughs> Do we want to go into the Boston-Toronto Game Seven slash the our thoughts on the Columbus series? Yeah, we can jump right into that. Um, crazy, go ahead, you
0: got Game Seven. You got it. Crazy Game Seven. Uh, Bruins came out flying, dominated the first period, and then in typical Bruins fashion of this year. They then take the second period off and only decide they were going to play 40 minutes instead of 60, and it looked rough in that second period. Uh, Going into the third with a 2-1 lead, but, oh, man, it was like, this is going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And then they finally come on. They turn it on in the third period. Sean Corrales with the early goal to give them the two-goal lead, and the Bruins didn't look back from there. I'm happy I actually got a series right. That That's probably the biggest part of the whole takeaway. I actually got a series right. couple of things going into the Bruins-Columbus series. Talk about not really a layoff. Uh, off today, playing tomorrow. That That's the Bruins. That's the way the schedule is. I thought the NHL was probably going to wait at least a day, but... They had other plans, clearly. I mean, kind of sucks for Columbus, too. I know you're already at home waiting, and obviously it's nice to get back into the the ice. I don't know how much information they had as to what was going to go on, but basically Bruins win Tuesday night. Wednesday, Columbus is on a plane. They're playing Thursday against the Bruins game one. So maybe better, though, too, because that way you don't really have to look at it. You can just kind of get it there and play. Obviously... I have all the faith in the world in Tortorella and his staff and management crew that regardless whether it was Toronto or Boston, they were playing, they were going to be a hundred percent prepared with that. Now going into the next series, can Sergei Bobrovsky stay hot? Uh, great first round against Tampa Bay. No question about that. Columbus's firepower is going to be huge here. Um, up front they're stacked. Atkinson, Panarin, Duchesne, DeZingle, Felino. I think yeah, Anderson, Tessier, like Anderson. it's it's scary that they're that deep. And I think that's definitely gonna make it very tough on the Bruins defense. Speaking of the Bruins defense, I mean John Moore sucks. <laughs> sucks like awful to watch uh we just got bad news on kevin miller had a setback now he's week to week instead of being day to day hopefully coming out of that first round series with that is gonna be more john moore i don't know if they take him out and put Stephen camphor in like i don't know what you do i know you couldn't do that in that game seven because at that point you're not taking a guy who hasn't played at all and dumping him in there um a question I have on the other side of things is outside of Wierenski and Jones, I have a lot of question marks on that Columbus defense event. Like, they're very high-powered up front, but the D doesn't really scare me outside of Wierenski and Jones, and they had them paired together in that first round. I think they might have to split them up for the second because Bruins on home ice, if the Bruins are able to split up the big three and shuffle lines like he did in that first round series. And if it's Krejci and Pasternak, if they're able to get something going and then you still have Marchand and Bergeron together and they can get the tougher matchup or whatever it is. I think Columbus might have their hands full. I know we had the discussion as to how deep the Bruins are overall. It looks like the depth is finally kicking in. That third line finally looks good with, Coyle, Johansson, and whoever they have playing on that other side. I think it's going to be a tough series. Uh, uh, yet again, I'm going to go Bruins in six.
1: Yeah, speaking about the depth, I know before the first round series against Toronto, I c- kind of criticized your fourth line of how much ice time they were getting in a regular season, and if that continued against Toronto, it was going to come back and bite you guys, and all I ended up doing was sticking that criticism down my fucking throat by potting two goals in Game 7. So that's that's all you need to know about the Bruins' Steph stepping up here. Um, I agree. Tough series. I think this is the best matchup before Pug Chop of any of the second-round matchups. I think they're two very evenly matched teams. They play a similar style of games, We're very well coached. Uh, they have uh, veteran goalies. They have good leadership I do think the slight edge that I give to Boston is twofold. One, been here, done that. This is not anything new to him. The moments I'm going to get to him, and I think it's actually an advantage that they just played at home in a game seven, in a very, not very physical game seven, outside of uh, that scrum where Chara introduced himself to JT Um and then they just had that one off day, and then they get right back into it. They don't have to travel. They don't have to worry about anything. They just keep that going. So I think that's the advantage heading into game one for Boston. The other uh, edge that I give them is, even though John Moore is being typical John Moore, the emergence, and I'm not saying it's like unknown that Tory Krug was a solid defenseman, top four guy that can contribute offensively, but just the overall effect on a game plan that having that second pair of Carlo and Krug enables the Bruins to match up with McAvoy and Chara. So it frees them up a little bit in terms of the matchup game, especially when they're at home. I think that's a very big advantage heading to this matchup. Columbus, yeah, Bobrovsky had a great first round after that first two periods in Tampa in Game 1. I'm still not 100% sold that he's a guy, especially with his... Inconsistent regular season play this year that's going to be just turn it on and take you all the way to the cup. Ryan Murray's absence is still going to loom large. I haven't heard an update on him on any possible return for the Blue Jackets. They're, I think they're more offensively talented than the Bruins at this point of the season, but I just can't see Columbus, even with all the momentum of knocking off Tampa Bay, being able to do it again against a team like Boston, whose battle test is not going to be caught off guard. I do think it's going to be a long series, and I also do think whoever wins this series is going to go on to the St. Final out of the East because I can't see the Islanders or the Hurricanes really pushing either of these two teams to the brink. That being said, my heart says Columbus because I've been a fanboy of them all year long, but my brain is telling me Boston in seven.
0: I actually forgot to touch on two things, and I heard you talking about it. Um, Sean Corrali comes back from that hand injury, and since he got inserted back into the lineup, was an absolute force. Like, shooting pucks all over the ice, extremely fitting that he ended up getting that goal at the beginning of the third period. Brought me back to two years ago when he finally started playing for us, and he was doing the uh, Corrali leap all over Ottawa that postseason. (laughs) And one other thing I had was, can Tuka Rask stay on the course? He has been good. Not great. He had a great game seven. He has been good the whole series. I don't think you can blame anything on him thus far. Is he able to stay on that course in this round?
1: The thing, just to counter that point, I guess, even if Tuca plays so poorly that he has to get either just yanked from a game, or you guys have to just bench him at the start of the next game, or the, for the remainder of this second round matchup, I have more confidence that Halak can come off the bench and do anything than if Bobrovsky plays even just average and not the way he played in the first round, and then they have to turn. Yeah, yeah, so even if that ha- even if Ras plays that poorly, I think you guys might end up still having the advantage if Bobrovsky doesn't keep up his uh, basically unbeatable act that he had in the last three and a half games of the first round.
0: And one other thing you talked about it, I should have chimed in once as you said it. it. You said you believe the winner of this series will go on to the Stanley Cup final. And with us just watching Game Seven and going right into recording this. I probably should have had the opening song of, Here I am, ride you <laughs> like a hurricane. But um, maybe next week. We'll see how that series is going. A missed opportunity, but, you know, when you have a veteran team,
1: I should be able to take it back up. So maybe on the outro, I can think of something on the fly here.
0: I mean, the, the pipes I just unleashed to the world. I mean, I don't want to say I'm a triple threat, but, I mean, <laughs> that's all I'm saying
1: you're carrying the podcast with your high school level of knowledge compared to my middle school level of knowledge. Uh,
0: I'm just flattered of that uh, commentary and <laughs> that praise. So thank you. But
1: yeah, so I, I went against Boston in the first round. Uh, I'm not going to make that mistake again, even though I wouldn't be totally shocked if Columbus wins it. I just think when you have Bridgeron matching up against their top line and they can still follow it up with a creature and, You know, your second, even a Grizzly on the third pair is better than their third pair right now. So I just think the system, the playing goal, and the home ice advantage is going to be a little bit too much for Columbus there. Um, Moving out to the West, I think we should go with talking about game seven in San Jose against the Vegas Golden Knights and what your thoughts are on that five minute major that was assessed to Cody Eakin on a Joe Pavelski injury, which was brutal to see. Um, And then talk about what your thoughts are with the, I think, heavy favorite over the Colorado Avalanche in this matchup.
0: Yeah, I mean, that five-minute major, it's hard not to agree with everything Jonathan Marcia said after the game. I know you posted that on the Facebook page. You cannot call a major penalty on the way something looks when you didn't see it. You watch the replay, yes, it's a push on the faceoff. Eakin does cross-check him. Is it a major cross-check? No, I think at most it's two minutes. Um, it, It's more awkward than anything because he gives him that cross-check, and I don't know who is coming across there and who ends up hitting him, and that's the reason why Pavelski ends up going down on his head. I mean, ugly sight to see, right on the back of his head, bleeding everywhere, no update on him uh all the best hoping for a speedy recovery hopefully it's you know he can be back in this series cuz i think he's a huge asset for them i know there has been a whole bunch of video replay for everything it's a very fast game there's going to be human error in the, on the referees part i mean We saw it in the Bruins-Toronto series with just that delay a game when the Bruins are handing the puck back to the linesman, a game puck from the bench. So, yeah, things are going to get called wrong. I think that you can't really change it up too much. Maybe if you're going to call a five-minute major, you're able to video review it just to make sure that is the case. I just... I don't know. I, I don't want it to be like the NFL where they're under the tent every time something happens for 10 minutes with the headphones on. Like, I don't want it to be that way. I do want it to be called on the fly. But, yes, I mean, you can't call something because someone looks seriously injured and not know what you're calling. That's just the only thing with me. Your thoughts on that? That's. This is the second time...
1: In, this, in that series between San Jose and Vegas, that there is a penalty called or punishment delivered to a, someone on a Vegas Golden Knights, even though neither referee on the ice raised their hand for a penalty. Now, I get that prevelski was hurt very badly, and like you said, nothing but the best for Joe out here. I doubt we'll see him early in this matchup against the Avalanche, if at all. Uh, that looked like a pretty severe uh, head injury guaranteed concussion, you never know what, how long that's going to take to clear up. That wasn't a major penalty. And even if they saw the call on the ice, which my confusion is, it was right off of a face-off. So one of the referees, kind of the format of their job is to continue watching as the play develops from the faceoff circle. So the fact that both referees weren't watching, and it wasn't like the play moved on quickly. The puck was basically sitting right outside of the circle. And I don't get how if that was going to be end up being called a major penalty, that one of the referees wasn't still didn't have their eyes trained on that face off circle.
0: Uh, I'm, um, I'm with you on that. Like that play came right off a of face off and neither of them called it until Q was injured. Like that's bullshit.
1: And then after they made the call uh, both referees spoke to the Vegas bench, and one referee said, oh, it looked pretty bad, which you can't call a penalty that you didn't see a penalty on because the guy yeah. of what the result is, you call oh, it on the infraction. And then the other referee told Gerard Gallant he got, he, Cody can cross-checked Provelski in the face, which obviously didn't happen. He cross-checked him in the upper part of the chest. Provelski started losing his balance, and he wasn't able to catch himself because Statsney was coming in for the loose puck. Basically, his one of leg legs kind of prevented Prowelski from catching himself, caught his legs out from under him and twisted him around, and that's what led to him falling on a back slash side of his head. If you wanted to call a cross-checking there, I can't see it. How is, I just don't get how that's a five-minute major. And that was a turning point in the entire series. And marsha so even said that kind of reminded him of that non-pass interference call in an NFC championship game between the Saints and the Rams. I think both had a very similar impact, changed the entire outcome of a season. These guys in Vegas, now I know I'm out here in San Jose, I picked the Sharks to win the series. I want Jumbo Joe to go as far as he can in probably his last year in San Jose, maybe in a league. But there's no way you can call that in a Game 7 when you didn't see the infraction occur in, at that moment. These guys in Vegas busted their ass from late August as a team all the way to Game 7 of the first round when they held a 3-1 series lead. And they were put in that position by a terrible call. On the flip side, that didn't lose them their lead. They still had the lead. They were up 3 nothing. They just seemed like they collapsed once that call occurred against them. They couldn't get their composure back. Gave up four goals on that five-minute major, which can't happen. Like, that absolutely cannot happen. So, yes, the call was terrible. I agree that it wasn't a major. I agree that put them in a bad spot. I agree that that changed the entire course of the game. But Vegas has to have some accountability here. You can't give up those four goals on a five-minute major power power play like they only have themselves to blame in that aspect i think
0: well i mean talk about special teams killing you uh you get forced into a game seven from a shorthanded goal and double overtime and then end up getting forced into overtime via that the, the power play san jose has so yeah i mean it's unfortunate absolutely but at the same time Like you said, you cannot give up that many goals on a power play. I I know it's a five-minute major and it's just going to keep going, but the fact you gave up four goals, that's crazy. Crazy.
1: (laughs) And, you know, before we move on to our thoughts on the matchup with the Avalanche, welcome to life as a hockey fan, Vegas Golden Knights fans. You know, last year you were spoiled. You went all the way to the Stanley Cup final and you're – first year in the league so you got to experience the high almost the highest of highs you know and you made it to the final you didn't win it and then in your very next year you held a 3-1 lead you blow that lead you had a 3-0 lead in game seven you got a terrible call against you and then you lose in a fashion that I don't think I've ever seen that in my life never mind in a playoff game and in game seven and then, now they went from the almost the highest of highs to a crushing loss the following year so I think we're even now welcome to the
0: league. Ouch. Um, yeah. Uh, they only have themselves to blame, though, too. They they were up 3-1. to one. They easily could have closed out Game 6 there. There's no one else to blame. You, you get it to a Game 7, you know anything can happen. Unfortunate circumstance, but do not point the fingers at the ref over something like that. You should have closed it two games ago. Agreed. Do you yeah. think
1: Colorado has a chance to knock them off, San Jose off in the second round?
0: I absolutely think there's a chance. I mean, which Martin Jones is going to show up and play? Mm-hmm. I, I know the past three games he's been phenomenal, but th- those three before that, I, I just don't know which guy was going to show up. Um, we saw the firepower in Game 7 that the Sharks do have. I think their offense finally got ahead of Vegas' defense, whether it be just that power play or maybe they finally found a weakness and were able to exploit it. I want to know if that can continue through this whole next series. I wonder what the update on Joe Pavelski is because he was doing it for him. He was getting it done on every aspect of the game. He's going to be a huge loss depending on what the update is we still don't know there hasn't been anything discussed yeah that's Um, a
1: that's a series altering injury potentially
0: yeah absolutely so with that being said it's like yeah i i do think colorado has a chance um outside of like we discussed before uh, carlson and burns i mean those other guys they still haven't really been too good i think they had very good game six and seven, the, the Brawnies and the Mark Edward Vlasics. Yeah, and the Dillons. But, yeah, I I honestly think that that's still a huge question mark for them. The other part of it is can Colorado's depth continue to contribute like they did in the first, the first round? I think if they're able to contribute, I think there absolutely is a chance for Colorado to win is Kale McCarr still going to be able to do what he did in the first round, or is San Jose going to just ex-nay him completely and be like, this is who we're taking out. Like, we're going to make sure as long as he's on the ice, he can't do anything. We'll let somebody else beat us, but we're not going to let him beat us, which that can alter a series. Um, One other thing is can McKinnon and Rantanen take over like they did in the first round? If they can take over like they did in the way that they elevated their play to be that much better than everybody else, I, I don't know how you can count Colorado out. I don't. It's just one of those things of, do I think San Jose is a better-built team and we've pictured them going a lot deeper in the playoffs since the beginning of the year? Yes. But this just makes it It makes it makes a series.
1: I think this is – I know on the east side it said Boston-Columbus was going to be the best matchup. I think that – I meant that in terms of just the quality of play and how tough the series is going to be. I think Colorado-San Jose is going to be the most entertaining. Uh, Both teams have offensive firepower. Both teams defensively may not be that great. Uh, When you have Jones and goal like San Jose does, you never know when you're going to give a a crooked number uh, from game to game. There are two things for me that Colorado has going for them. One is Philip Grubauer in a matchup against Martin Jones. And I don't, I know they don't play head-to-head. But I think Grubauer wins that matchup the way he's playing right now. And it's not like it's a fluke where he's just been playing this way the last five games against Calgary. He's been playing this way for the last three months. And Jones is so inconsistent from a game to game, you can't really rely upon him. So I think Grubauer gives Colorado a pretty strong edge and goal. The other aspect Colorado has going for them, for me, is they're playing San Jose, and San Jose, doesn't it seem like to you they're built very similar to the way Calgary is? Strong offensive forwards up front, pretty good depth offensively, their top two, three defensemen, you know, Giordano is a Norris Trophy contender. Pretty strong. Really questionable in goal. And Colorado took them out with
0: five pretty easily. Absolutely. And, and another thing is, can San Jose take all this momentum into mm-hmm. the next round? I mean, they're playing at home this round. So, no travel. They were able to steal Game 7, stay where they were. Nothing traveled. Um Colorado's been out of it a little bit. They've been resting. I know it either has one of two effects. It's either great for the team because guys are able to rest up or you come into the first game really rusty. It's going to be interesting. In I, Yeah, I completely forgot to touch on Grubauer. He's been killing it for him. Th- that first-round series, he was great. I, I don't know, man. I, I think... My head is telling me San Jose, but just I think the stars could align here, and I think it it might be Colorado. So are you going
1: Colorado as your pick?
0: (sighs) (laughs) I'm just like looking at how big of a a drop-off in sound I just had. um storyline in my head, I just think, like we talked about earlier, how cool would it be to see Jumbo Joe play the Boston Bruins for the Stanley Cup? Maybe that's how Jumbo Joe wins his Stanley Cup and retires. But at the same time, I just... There might be something in the air out in Denver, and it might not be green. It might be an avalanche. <laughs> avalanche and six.
1: All right. The thing for me, like you hit the momentum for San Jose. For the first time since I've lived out here, and I've been out here since August of 2016. So this is my, well, my third NHL season in the Bay Area. And today was the first day that the Warriors have a playoff game tonight. All day on sports radio they were just taking phone calls from Shark fans or people in the, around the area just talking about the Game 7 comeback last night. Can they really lose a series as a, you know, when you look at the teams on paper, as a pretty heavy favorite? After what they did in Game 7, like, they can't do that. And the Provelski injury looms large. If he comes back for the majority of the series, I think that's huge for San Jose, because uh, that pushes Hurdle down to the third line You of Couture, like, just pretty overwhelming in that aspect. But he's questionable. There hasn't been an update medically on him. No, knocked out Cole, bleeding from the head, needed to get helped off the ice. I can't see him... Let's say the series goes seven games. I could see him coming back for, what, games five, six, and seven, if that? So I think that's a huge... And I know they're not going to be thinking of it this way, but like that's a huge advantage for Colorado. Carlson looks atrocious defensively. Even in Game 7, there's one of the goals. Uh, I think it was the second goal for Vegas, but I, I'll go back and double-check and correct this on the Facebook post. He leaves his man wide open in front of on the goal. So, uh, it was a deflection. Just roaming around the defensive zone. And I was watching the game last night, and I had to pause it. It was like the Sabruda film for me. The first lady's laying in bed watching it. I'm like, you see Carlson right here? He's not supposed to be there. He's supposed to be over here. You cycle back to this guy. You rotate around. It's like he's never played defense before. So I, like you said, I think San Jose, especially if Pavelski comes back, has a distinct advantage. But something's telling me Colorado, man. I don't know what it is. I know they basically have four forwards and solid offensive defensemen and a good goalie. Colorado and seven.
0: We both agreed on a team. All right. So we're getting somewhere. <laughs> so. The other thing I, we talked
1: a lot about the Bavalski injury, I forgot to mention for the Carolina Islander matchup. Both. Sushnikov and Furland are going to be back for Carolina, but Johnny Boychuk is not going to be back. He's out four to six weeks uh, with an injury, so that's a pretty heavy hit for the Islanders' defense core. Uh, he plays 20 minutes a night for them, uh, so the Islanders are going without him in this matchup as well. Uh, moving on, the final matchup of the second round, the St. Louis Blues knock off the Winnipeg Jets in six games. I had them winning in seven. They'll be playing the Dallas Stars who knocked off the Nashville Predators in sixth, and woo boy, are there going to be changes in the, in the music city this summer. What are your thoughts? What's your pick? And on December 1st, did you ever imagine that the St. Louis Blues could be playing to go to the Western Conference Final?
0: No. I. I it, it's crazy how... The tides can change throughout a year. Our, one of our first episodes, it has to be one of one, two, or three. I, I don't know. But after all the roster overhaul, the signings that they had, everything, we were like, San Jose, I mean, St. Louis has to be a cup contender. There's no question the way that that lineup's built. And then they come out and they were awful. God awful. They fire Mike Yo, and then Baruby comes in, and the season starts to turn. Little by little by little. They look unstoppable. I saw on the NHL Instagram, they have some behind the scenes things, and they're showing the guys in the locker room and the way they are with Baruby. Baruby's like one of them. He's up there, he's joking around, he's having fun. I think Mike Yo is going to lose a whole lot of coaching jobs via, A, this debacle he just had, B, seeing how good Craig Berube has now brought this team together, and C, when he was with Minnesota and he had that epic freak out during practice where he's throwing his stick into the stands and he's freaking out and this, that, the other thing, I think people are going to shy away from him. I just have a feeling that he's probably going to have to come back in as an NHL assistant or an AHL head coach before he gets another sniff. That's a hot take. Ring the bell.
1: (laughs) Well, (laughs) and even in his time in Minnesota, that was a team that was thought of as being a legitimate Stanley cup contender. They had a lot of talent. They didn't live up to expectations. They fired him and brought in Bruce Boudreau, and they turned it around. So that's two different franchises that he had enough talent to win. He got fired, and the team's either significantly improved or just played better without him at the helm. So that's I think that's really would give me concerned if I was a GM or an NHL owner looking for a new head coach. I know he's being rumored in Ottawa because he was the runner-up to Guy Boucher a few years back. But if you're Rebuilding, even for a dumpster fire like Ottawa, you can't give him the keys
0: to, to the car in that situation. No, I just, for whatever reason, I think there's something about him now and going through all the things of the past and now seeing how good a team can click without him, I think it might be him, whatever it is. Um, Going into this matchup, Jordan Bennington looked phenomenal. But as good as Jordan Binnington looked, it's crazy to say that Ben Bishop looked even better. Mm-hmm. Uh, 0.945 save percentage. And then he had a 1.98 goals against. I just... a finalist. I wouldn't go that far. Isn't he a finalist for the Vesma? He might be, but I, I don't think he's win- I'm just saying. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, Jesus. I just gave you... I just messed up. did I say that was Bishop's numbers? Yeah. Okay, good. because uh, I saw Bennington Bishop. Yeah. I just can't <laughs> believe I, I just can't believe he's playing that good. It, it's and healthy. And healthy. That, that was actually what I have one here, one of my questions. Will Bishop get hurt? With that being said, I think these goalies are gonna determine this series. And for whatever reason, Stoneface Bennington, I think he got it. I talk about we talked about all sorts of things this year between Carter Hart, Elias Pettersson for Calder Cup Calder Trophy winner. I don't know why. I mean, I know a lot of this is based on the regular season. I th- think this kid can carry this team to the Stanley Cup for whatever reason. He he just doesn't seem rattled, seems straight and content going to Dallas. Are Sagan and Ben going to be able to keep performing at the rate they're performing and Radulov as well? I think they only go as far as those three take them. And with that being said, St. Louis, the way they're playing right now, even if Nashville came out of this series, I think St. Louis would give it to them. They are clicking on all cylinders. They made... Winnipeg's best look like not even close. And Winnipeg is a very good team. I just think that everything they have going right now is just working, and it is going to be very hard for Dallas.
1: So St. Louis in what? Five. Uh, wow, short series. Um, I can't agree with you more when it comes to your thoughts on Bennington and how St. Louis has looked not only towards the end of the regular season, but in that first round matchup against Winnipeg, which is a much bigger, much heavier, much more talented team than they're going to be playing in Dallas. It's a bad drawer for Dallas because their one X factor is Ben Bishop this year and in the first-round matchup against Nashville. And now they're playing a team that has a goal that I can match up very easily against him. If Dallas is pulling a team like San Jose or even Colorado, I would give them much more of a chance. Uh, the only way I can see Dallas winning, winning this is Bishop stays healthy the whole series, continues playing out of his mind, and then you have the big guns for Dallas continuing their play, and then an X-Factor guy like Matt Zuccarello, who helped him out tremendously, especially on a power play in the Nashville series, continues to step up. But for me, that's too many ifs that has to hit for Dallas to win a series. Being selfish as a Rangers fan, if Dallas wins four more games, we get that first-round pick from Dallas in this year's draft, that'd be sweet. Um, I just can't see that happening against a team like St. Louis. I'm going St. Louis in five as well. I was going to go a sweep, but I think just having Bishop in goal is going to steal him a game. I could see him stealing even two, but I'm going to go St. Louis in five. So we match up equally, pretty much, in a Western Conference for our picks.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's just, yet again, it's the playoffs. Anything can happen, but I just think St. Louis is just clicking on too many levels right now. And another thing I want to... I know Baruby hasn't been a head coach for a long time. He, long time player, long time assistant. I just think when it comes to the playoffs and winning, I just think he has more than Montgomery would have in his tank. I know he was at Denver for a long time and a couple of Frozen Fours and everything else. But I just think Baruby knows what it takes. The boys are loose. There's just too many, too many things in San Jose's corner and Like you said, it's unfortunate because Dallas came in and beat a very good Nashville team, but I think it stops here.
1: One more question before I kind of reset and give everybody the high-level view of our picks. Out of all the second-round matchups and the picks that you have made, which matchup would you be least surprised to see you
0: wrong? least surprised I would probably say the way I I guess both series in the east if Carolina ends up beating the Islanders I wouldn't be surprised and with Columbus I think they're a better matchup for the Bruins when it comes to I don't think it's going to be as wide open as it was with Toronto. I think they still have a lot of firepower. I just don't think it's going to be as wide open as the Toronto series. I mean, I do think Columbus could still beat Boston. Maybe I'm just being a little bit of a homer and hoping that the Bruins win. But, I mean, I could see either of those two going the other way. I know we both picked Colorado, but just looking at the roster, could San Jose win? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's basically a coin flip. I think St. Louis is a lock, though. So.
1: Yeah, agreed. I was going to go Columbus uh, just because of my pull from them, and then San Jose because I could see that easily being San Jose taking that momentum, being the heavy favorite, and just cruising easily past Colorado. But I just, when it comes to playoffs, it's funny. The intangible stuff, I think, is overrated over the course of a 82-game regular season. It's just too long, too physical, too many X factors come into play that I think intangibles are really low on the list. But when it comes to the playoff time, I think any swing in momentum, any change in attitude, I saw it firsthand with the Rangers in 2014. They were dead in the water. And the Marty St. Louis situation with his mom and a way that kind of galvanized the boys in the room, they made the run all the way to the Stanley Cup final. So I've seen it firsthand. I just think Colorado kind of has that little bit of magic this year. But I wouldn't be surprised if Columbus pulled off a seven-gamer upset over Boston, too.
0: Oh, yeah. And, I mean, San Jose, maybe they all rallied around the Pavelski injury. Even without him in the lineup, they're able to carry the team. So Pavelski can play again maybe in the Western Conference Finals. So all TBD.
1: To recap my picks, uh, my Western Conference Final, I'm projecting it to be the St. Louis Blues versus the Colorado Avalanche. Kevin is predicting the St. Louis Blues versus the Colorado Avalanche. Out east, uh, I have the Boston Bruins versus the Carolina Hurricanes. The Revenge, not the Revenge, but I guess the Ghost of Scott Walker, potentially. Oh, God. Um, and Kevin has the Bruins versus the New York Islanders in the Eastern Conference Finals. So, uh, again, if you entered the, our bracket challenge before the first round, and your bracket was busted, everybody's was, I'm going to be reposting that link uh, for the second chance bracket so you can enter again. If you missed the first time, first contest, now you have your chance to sign up, uh, make your picks for the last uh, three rounds of the playoffs, and enter for your chance to win some swag. Uh, I think the winner will have a pick. Kevin and I will finalize this on a hat or t shirt um, and then we'll be posting or sharing some designs with the winner uh, before we can get their choice
0: and maybe we'll have the winner have a hand in our uh our future clothing line as to way things should look, where they shouldn't look. Um, you are not getting any royalties; this is just input that's all it is <laughs> and the first lady can help with that too oh she does fashion good. <laughs>
1: Uh, But yeah, other than that, pretty solid news week around the league. Um, What a wild first round. I can't wait to see these matchups in the second round. I'm so pumped for Columbus and Boston. I can't even tell you. Colorado and San Jose should be fun. St. Louis and Dallas battle the two goalies there. And then you have Carolina and their bunch of jerks playing the us against the world New York Islanders.
0: I know you have a shootout this week, and I am just waiting for it. So fire away. Uh, I mean, I'm going to make a part of my shout out.
1: Uh, so, shout outs this week for me. Obviously, the first lady. Uh, keep kicking ass. Love you. Thank you for everything. Uh, I'm also going to give a shout out to my old co worker, Alex. Uh, apparently, he's a big fan. Uh, I haven't seen him or talked to him in about almost two years now. But and it's always warming, always warms my heart to let me know that the way I used to play hockey was model my game after Sean Avery. And say what you want about him, just giving you an idea of how I played the game as one of the smaller guys in the rink. After all those years of not playing hockey competitively, I guess I still had it. Because two years later, he's still a big fan and wishing me well in our iTunes reviews and sending messages under aliases on LinkedIn because... I got under his skin that much. So it actually makes me smile that I still got it and I can still pull it off. And two years later, I'm just living my life and doing a good thing. And you still bothered by it. So thanks for your support and continued uh, listenership,
0: Alex. We appreciate the listens, pal. Um, Your review, I don't know if we really appreciated it. Uh, If you could stop sniffing the jock, that would be phenomenal. If you're that sour, the, jump off the bandwagon, um, going into it this week. Not even this week. Tomorrow. So when this releases and everybody's waking up tomorrow morning, all excited that you get the little thing on your iPhone that there's a new two, five, and ten. Listen now for your second round preview. I am gonna have a four-year-old. I cannot believe it. The camel is gonna be that. The camel is gonna be four. It's insanity. I can't even go into detail um he is such a good kid, man, like he's so funny, he's a legitimate like cute, innocent little boy. all of you four year old toddler girls stay away from my boy, do not poison <laughs> him. he's so good, he's genuine, he's awesome um wow, I have a four year old that's crazy yeah i mean
1: i get to experience cam and emma growing up through social media which i always appreciate and i especially loved uh redder's insta stories tonight just from her memories of you guys with cam from when he was born all the way up until now uh but it does kind of sink a little bit to know that i was around in boston uh for his i think his first year a uh, year and a half and haven't seen him in so long. So one of the things I'm looking forward to, uh, besides seeing you and Redder is seeing the kids and letting them know who's that mysterious guy they see on a small laptop screen for like the last six months.
0: Yeah, he usually uh he, he tries to make appearances at two five and ten when he can. <laughs> uh it, it's so funny because 'cause I'll be grabbing the laptop. I'm upstairs today, they're all sleeping. But uh, if I'm going downstairs with the laptop, and he's like, oh, are you going to work downstairs? <laughs> I mean, th- this isn't work. He just sees me on a computer and assi- assumes I'm doing work. This is fun. I'm very happy, grateful everybody listens. But it's just Dad, so are you funny. you working? Yeah, it's just so funny. He comes downstairs, and he's like, hi, Betty. Hi, Ben. <laughs> was like, th- there was one episode. I think it, was, it actually would have been the Sean Avery number 16 episode where, I'm doing an intro, and out of nowhere, Cam, like, popped up behind me. It just absolutely rattled me and scared the crap out of me. Like, yeah, he is my dude. He is such a good boy. Yeah, it's wild. I can't believe it's been four years to talk about just, like, don't blink. It, it just happened so fast. And once as we had Emma, too, I mean, you want to talk about, like, Hitting fast forward in the sense of time because now there's two of them and there's two schedules, there's two different personalities. You're here, you're there, and it's like, wow, he's corn four, yeah, corn, corn, corn. <laughs> uh, yeah, man.
1: I mean, happy birthday, Cam. I can't wait to get back to the East Coast uh, later this year and make my trek out to Boston and just power bomb him on ten matches. Um, but I also want to give you props, man. You, I I never had any doubt when it came to Redder, but like you helped, (laughs) you, you helped a human reach the age of four. Like, congratulations, man.
0: I know. I I think tomorrow might be a a very expensive wine night just in celebration of (laughs) me being able to contribute to four years. So, Uh, well, uh, enough of us. We're excited for a second round review. Um, That'll probably be up either Sunday or Monday. I believe at that point everybody will have at least two games played in their series, so we'll kind of have a middle marker as to if teams split series, if teams are up 2-0, anybody steal two on the road, so I think it's going to be good. Our analysis is fire, and keep listening to everybody. And Benny, I mean, this is just one of those things that sometimes when you want to get a reaction, what better than just leaving with this? about Ready to rock the world with the boom. So I hope you can stand the vibration. Because we're about to rock the entire nation. Alright? Here we go.